Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another show here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me this morning and for giving me the activities of my limbs. Even though my arm and my hand is hurting like heck, I am pressing my way because I'm going to just make it work. So, with that being said, again, I want to thank you for joining me here on the show. Now, today's show, even though we are having a whole lot of different things going on in our world, in our society, and a lot of things affect our mental health, however, today is one of those shows that I want to talk to individuals because many individuals are still quarantining in their home. Many individuals are having and dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, don't know what to do about with themselves. And even as I was gathering information, I found it to be very interesting. So with that being said, today's topic has to do with eating disorders. And with eating disorders, although many have a perception of what eating disorders consist of, there is a lot of information that we may not even have a clue including myself, especially I was telling someone as I was going through some of the images regarding eating disorders, and it kind of reminded me of myself. And I was like, ooh, wow, this looks just just like me. Now, some things is misunderstood, some things we don't want to know, and some things can be right in our face and we don't know what to do. But I want to start off by saying that although the term eating disorder is the same in a lot of ways, eating disorders are more than just being about food. It could be a complex mental condition that often requires intervention and medical and psychological experts to alter their course. Because a lot of times we talk about eating disorders, we could say, well, I could stop eating when I want to, or it's not a problem for me. I know my friend that passed away, he stayed on me about my weight. And I didn't even realize that I could be considered of having an eating disorder, but I tell people that I just like to have food around me all the time. So with that being said, eating disorders can be very common, but also can be very dangerous. This disorder can affect people of all ages. It can also present in many forms. And some eating disorders can involve eating too much food, as others may be involved in eating too little food. And individuals may also present with a distorted body image. Now, I have my first caller on the line, so let me log this person on. Good afternoon. This is Jeanette, number ending in 09. How are you doing? Okay. Okay. Hi, this sounds like, is this Michelle? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. Michelle, thank you for joining me here today talking about eating disorders. Why did you feel the need to want to join on this topic today? What's your question or what, what is your concern when it relates to eating disorders? Well, I thought about it and I thought, well, maybe that's not for me, but maybe there's something that, like the disorder or whatever, I just felt like I needed to hear it because, like, as you said, it it comes in anything, and I never knew that. 
You know, and it's interesting because when I met you 10 years ago, you were very, 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 very thin. And, you know, (laughs) and even though you were thin, a lot of times individuals think that only thin individuals can have an eating disorder, and that's not true. Now, we have two common and um, disorders, or I don't want to say disorders, but there's two that normally come to people's mind when they think of eating disorders. They either think of anorexia nervosa, when an individual basically is underweight, or we think of bulimia, when individuals binge and purge. Those are the two common that most people think of. And I say that because I think about myself even being a licensed therapist and working with individuals in the field that um, – basically I've been diagnosed with an eating disorder, is that some individuals may have a perception that a person with bulimia may not have a weight problem or may not be overweight because it's like, okay, if you have an eating disorder, they're looking more for the anorexia than they are someone that may be a little bit heavier that suffers or have symptoms of bulimia. So that's just just to let people know. Now, when we talk about this information, and I have something that I'm reading, and it's coming from Helpline.com. And the question reads, what are eating disorders? Now, with eating disorders, like I said, they can range from a psychological condition that can cause unhealthy eating habits to develop. Now, that might start with an obsession with food, body weight, or body shape. That's what got me is I thought about my obsession with food. And I never thought that my obsession was a problem, but it is because I hoard food and I keep food around me all the time. i got an apple with me right now, <laughs> and I think I've been carrying this apple in my purse for about a week. It's like, Jeanette, you know you ain't going to eat the apple. Why the hell you got an apple in your purse? You know? <laughs> People used to think oh, wow. that I hard as a kid, you know, and I didn't realize it until I got this weight on me, and then I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is a problem. Okay, we have another caller on the line. Let me lock this caller on, and then we're going to go further into this conversation. Okay. Good afternoon. This is Jeanette Abney. Welcome to Precious Ridiculous, number NNN52. How are you doing? Hi, Miss Abney. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? You know, Linda, I I'm just realized. I'm on my lunch break. Okay, Linda, I just realized I got an eating disorder and I didn't know it. I didn't know that obsession <laughs> with food really no, did I noticed it about two months ago. Um, I can share my experience. I have 15 minutes left for my lunch break, but okay. Um, there's clinical eating disorder where I think you should be, you know, evaluated by a medical doctor. Because um, there's there's anorexia, there's uh, bulimia, and then there's mm-hmm. just um, purging, and I think all that needs to be evaluated and um, monitored by an MD. But my mm-hmm. eating disorder is high stress levels equals mm-hmm. high cortisol levels equals hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. So I I don't eat when I'm hungry. I eat when I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah. I always you know, and that's like an emotional eater. I used to tell people that I don't get full, I just get tired of chewing. Because I can mm. go to a buffet and have like four or five plates in front of me, and I only do that because I don't want to have to keep getting up and get sitting down, eat, getting up, sitting down. So I'll go get it all at one time, 
want to put it in front of me, and I don't eat a lot. But I have a serious obsession with food. I was just telling the lady that lived with I just got rid of a refrigerator because I had three refrigerators and a deep freezer. And I used to have an exclusive habit of grocery shopping. Now I try my best to stay out of the stores. But like I was telling my daughter the other day, I wanted a watermelon so bad. I bought that watermelon two weeks ago and still haven't cut it. It's like that. Just, well, I'm just looking like- at it. It sounds like food mm-hmm. is comforting you. But it's it always really next to you. Me even because it makes me sick because I look at it and then I want something else, and then I want something else, and I want something else. So I'm not even an emotional eater. Okay, we got other people calling in on the line, and I like what you said, Linda, okay. because individuals got to know when is it time to get some psychological help because a lot of times individuals don't know, especially even when you're talking about mm-hmm. family. So it's, I know you said you only have three minutes, and I like what you have to share. What else do you want the listeners to know as we're talking about eating disorders? Um, I don't know. I think you brought up a good point that some of us don't know, and it would be good to even just consult with a therapist to see if it is affecting um, your overall daily functioning, whether it's finances because you're buying too much food, eating it out, is it social, social, your social life, your relationships, your work, you know, if it's, if it's a disturbed behavior, um, I recommend you go see a therapist and, and see if you can um, discover any patterns that you have and see if you do have an eating disorder. Well, I know with myself, mine started with childhood, and it does affect my relationships because I've had men tell me, Jeanette, I'd rather pay your bills than buy your food. This guy know me about my eating so much, and especially with my clients. Sometimes my clients would just lavish my office with food. It's ridiculous. So, okay, and let I me think for you, on. Uh, I to my call. Let me call her. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Give, give me one second, though, um, Linda. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Postage Predicaments, number in and in 69. Linda, finish, and then you can tell me who you are and what you want to add to the show. Okay, what were you going to say, Linda? If some of us live in our, our cars is our office, like you and I sometimes. We travel and we um, eat in our car. So a good thing is when you go see a therapist, you can start working on a schedule uh, for eating time, so you're not always eating fast food. It's uh, you mm-hmm. develop a plan, so you don't get off track and making healthier decisions. Like right now, I'm right. actually driving. I'm eating yogurt and I'm listening to you. But I made a healthy decision by getting the yogurt versus McDonald's. A therapist can help you develop a plan. Right. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say it. I'm the wrong therapist to go to when it comes to eating disorders. I'm horrible with it. I really am. And I remember one time I got into my ex-husband. We got into an argument because he found a burrito up under my feet of my car, and I got mad because I didn't want him to throw my burrito away. <laughs> I was like, we had a tender over a burrito. Okay, number 769, this is Jeanette. How are you doing? I'm good this morning. How are you, Jeanette, this afternoon? I am doing okay. Like I said, I had to watch you. And see, one thing about me with my eating disorder I don't give in to peer pressure. Because, Thea, you left night with that cake and ice cream. I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. so what do you want the 
listeners to know when we talk about eating disorders, I, I want to log on the other caller I have on hold. I heard, I heard the other lady saying, you know, um, that a lot of us eat in our cars. Okay, well, you know, my situation recently, I did all, almost all my eating in my car. I, that's where I stored my food and everything else. So I don't feel like I have an eating disorder, but what I have are very poor eating habits. I fell into the habit, yeah. see, being new in being new in recovery, I used to drink all day, every day. And so I still have that hand-to-mouth habit. And so I eat because, and I've, I've had people tell me before, you know, get out the kitchen. You ain't hungry. You just eating because it's there. And see, I've noticed that if I keep my food farther away from me, I'll eat less. Like like I was telling you with that cake, you know, if I had been in that if I had been in my car with that cake, that cake would have been gone overnight. I would have kept on picking mm-hmm. at it and kept on picking at it, kept on picking at it until pretty soon I was just sitting with it on my lap thinking, well, you know what, I may as well just keep it because I'm just going to keep digging back into it. So I've noticed for me, when I distance myself from food, it's not so much the foods I keep around. I'm going to I'm going to splurge if I try to be too hard on myself about not eating, then when I do eat, I'm just going to eat everything and feel bad. But if I keep the kind of foods around me that I like to eat and I make them to where it's foods I have to prepare, I start to get a little bit of self-control. But I do know that I have very poor eating habits, just like with my sleeping habits. I fell into the habit of watching TV till 2 or 3 in the morning, and now I'm going to have <laughs> to change that and be sleep. You know, I, but that's the same thing with my eating. I, I've noticed that I can exercise some self-control, I just have some bad habits that I have to um, eliminate. Yeah. I you agree. Know I agree. It's mm. interesting because we talk mm. about eat fruits and vegetables. And you know, Thea, I've been buying a lot of fruit, but you ain't seen me eat no fruit. That's <laughs> 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 poor watermelon. Please cut that watermelon today. Just cut it today because that poor watermelon okay. looks like it's dribbling up. Okay, let me log on the next caller. Hi, this is Jeanette, number NN33. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. Okay. And this sounds like Nancy. Is this Nancy? Mm-hmm. Okay, Nancy, what do you want to add to the show as we're talking about eating disorders? Okay, number NN33. Okay, I want to share some eating at all. You said not eating at all? You know what, Nancy? That could be an issue, too, because a lot of individuals, because you went from, your weight fluctuated from me knowing you. You had gotten to a high point, and then you lost a lot of um, at 600, uh, at 600 all the way down, back down to 180. Wait a minute. You were 600 pounds? Yes, I was. Wow. Wow. And you know, yeah, and a lot of and I have a hard time eating. I have to make myself eat now. Mhm. Mhm. Wow. It was. I was. A, I know, was an emotional eater. Uh huh. I was constantly eating twenty four hours a day when I was with Joe, and now that I'm not with him, I I have to force myself to eat. Mhm. Hmm. Wow. Wow. And you know, and I don't think you're getting surgeries or anything like that. So you lost the weight. How did you lose the weight, Nancy? Um, I prayed that God would make my stomach smaller so that I wouldn't want to eat so much. And God answered my prayers. Nice. Wow. 
God taking oh. a long time. I've been praying God to make my stomach smaller too, but my stomach keeps <laughs> a tooth out with my butt, and I look like a feet. Oh, I'm going forward and backwards. So me and God, can you? We need a little bit more conversation, cause good Lord. <laughs> You know, when we start talking about, and that's not to be a joke, but that is really, really serious because I'm like, Lord, please take my stomach away. My daughter keeps telling me, Mom, you can't blame it on me. I used to blame it on having kids, but my daughter is now 30-something years old, so she was like, you can't use me as an excuse. And Thea keeps telling me, well, I've been doing sit-ups, and I'm like, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is that internal, internally inside, I asked that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in the United States alone, there's an estimated 20 million women and 10 million men who have had eating disorders at some point in their lives. And a lot of times individuals think that men cannot have eating disorders, and that's not true. And even though, like I said, we talked about eating disorders, and it can range from psychological conditions that causes unhealthy eating habits to develop, and like I said, that's where my ignorance came in because I didn't see it as an unhealthy eating habit. And they also might start with an obsession to food, body weight, or body shape. Now, in severe cases, eating disorders can cause serious health consequences and even result in death if left untreated. Now, those with eating disorders can have a variety of symptoms. However, most include the severe restriction of food, which is kind of lead to the anorexia nervosa when they don't want to eat. And it's crazy because when you're looking at someone with anorexia and they're 60, 70 pounds, in their mind what they see in the mirror is not what most people see. They think they're fat, and they're not. To also so, food injury. So, so a person that's... Anorexic, if they have like a uh, eating disorder, what they don't eating? Yes, that's an eating disorder. Anorexia nervosa is dangerous, and what happens with anorexia nervosa is it can affect. You can tell by their mouth, their tongue, their breath, their, and what happens is their stomach shrinks, and it can kill them. You know, and they don't realize how serious it is. And in their mind, they think that they're overweight. And sometimes, and we're going to go into some of the things that happens with individuals to where, you know, it could have be a relation in regards to how it starts. But just like binging and purging. I remember when I was working as a school bus driver, and one of my um, parents had an eating disorder. And I didn't know. But she would put her feet, she would eat, put her fingers down her throat, and throw up. And I would be like, why is she doing that? To me, that's a waste of food. But I didn't know anything about eating disorders in the 80s. And she had bulimia. She was bulimic. No, I had no idea what she was doing or why she was doing it. And also, in addition to the um, purging behaviors like vomiting and over-exercising, some individuals, we call them gym rats, are they constantly at the gym, that is also another form of an eating disorder. Now, although eating disorders can affect people at any gender or any life stage, they're most often reported in adolescents and young women. In fact, up to 13% of youth may experience at least one eating disorder by age 20. Now, school is out or going to be ending, even though people haven't been to school in a while. Some individuals are going to be going to college. 
those are some things we need to look out for, especially with our youth going to college. Some individuals, depending on what kind of sport they're in, we saw a lot of individuals that were dancers or cheerleaders, ballerinas. You know, sometimes we even see it in the military with individuals trying to um, to meet the weight requirement for the military. They have also developed eating disorders. Now, I wanted to, any questions, ladies, while you're on the air, and hopefully some men will call in, but thus far, any questions in regards to some of the information that I've just shared? Okay. Violence can be good sometimes. Now, when we talk about what causes them, and I'm getting this information from what's called Healthline, experts believe that eating disorders may be caused by a variety of factors. One of these is genetics. Now, when we talk about genetics, there may be a family history of, of eating disorders. That's why when you're talking to a therapist and they're doing a psychosocial, it's not that the person is trying to judge you. They're trying to gain as much information during the intake to see where some of this stuff is stemming from. And a lot of times with parents, we don't like sharing that kind of stuff with our children, you know, in regards to some of the things that we may have um, been through. Now, when we talk about the fact that it may be coming from or it may be hereditary, this type of research has generally shown that when they talk about in regards to twins even developing an eating disorder, the other has a 50% likelihood of developing one too. Now, personality traits are other causes in particular. Trying to be a perfectionist. You know, that's why we're talking about putting pressure on our kids and you know, and sometimes boredom can play a role in it, being very impulsive. Those are some of the personality traits that are often linked to a higher risk of developing an eating disorder. Now, other potentials calls include perceived pressures to be thin, cultural preferences for thinness, and exposure to media promoting such ideas. With me, growing up in my family with my mother, and she was very vain because I come from a female predominant family where they were all tall, thin, and beautiful, my mother used to get on my nerves with stuff. I started eating as a way of um, boys not talking to me. I tried to use it as a distraction. I knew it was unattractive. So that was my way of running people off with, with food. But for a long time, people didn't realize that I didn't eat as much as I talk about food. So I would do that, and then when that weight got on me, I was like, what the hell did I do? And then I kind of figured out how the hell to get this weight off of me. Now, what about you ladies? Just talking about the personality traits or the family traits, what are some of the things that you guys may want to share? Because, like I said, my mother was, she was vain. She tried to make us exercise. She had to try to look a certain way. So all I did was talk about food to try to get on her nerves. I'm going to ask you, Thea, what about you? How was your family? You think that it could, your eating? My, um, my, um, my eating traits definitely came from my mom. Well, when we were growing up, my mom raised us Muslims, and see, we ate very few foods. We ate very healthy foods. We ate a lot of fish, a lot of chicken, a lot of rice, a lot of beans. We did not eat a lot of beef. We didn't eat any pork, and we didn't eat a lot of starches or chips and cupcakes and stuff like that because if it said animal shortening, my mom knew that was lard. So I grew up eating healthy. I was a strange little child. I was real thin, 
until the age 13. My mom was a little on the heavy side. My brother was a little on the heavy side. But they, like, ate fast and in a hurry. I used to actually take my time and chew my food, savor every taste, until they started leaving me at the table. Then I started gulping down my food. And um, But my eating habits in the early years came from my mom. I mean, I didn't really start drinking sodas until I started um, at the age of 16, running away from home and stuff. I didn't have a taste for sodas. I liked fruit juices. I liked waters. I liked things that were natural. My mom, I had this belief that the best foods come in their own packages ready to eat. And that was my that was my motto most of my life. And then I fell away from my mom and started doing things my own way. I'm eating potato chips, candy bars, sodas, and you know what's a, what's a uh, what's a salad, what's a fruit, you know. And so now it's just like recovering from so many things. I found that I have more of a balanced eating um, regimen. Like I will eat just about anything now as long as it's safe for me, but I just have to work out my um, habits. Because my mom, she didn't raise me to be vain. My images came more from the people I worked with. Like, I had my first taste of bulimia in um, 96 when I had just gotten out of prison and got a job at a retail clothing store in the mall, and every girl in there was going out to lunch, coming back to the bathroom, throwing up. I'll go use the bathroom, and the bathroom just looked like, oh, my goodness, the toilet was just disgusting. But I started, too. I picked it up from being around them. Wow. You know, so it was like my, my, my body image came from the people I associated with, not my mom. And that has a lot to do with it, too, because some individuals do have a distorted body image. You know, I remember one time I went to the doctor, and I was telling individuals where me and this doctor at Kaiser, we got into it, because he called me grossly obese, and I said, your mama. He looked at me like, huh? No, your mama. I may be obese, but I'm not gross. And even today, Thea, you was laughing at me when you was doing my Facebook line, and I said, Thea, you made my boobs look big. You were like, your boobs are big. You know, and I remember when I used to play volleyball, when I would go up to hit the ball, I always got caught up in the net, and they would always have to strap me down. And I always had this thing where I would ask my mother to go buy my bras because I needed a 40, and my mother would be like, I don't wear no 40. What the hell? I'm going to go do about 44. You know, so I've always been big busted, big butt, but I didn't even realize that. I don't know what the hell I was looking at when I looked in the mirror, but I guess I didn't look in the mirror, and my mother had mirrors all around her house. And I just never knew what I freaking looked like. Now, um, what about you? I don't know if Linda's still on the air. Linda, are you still there? Okay, I know she said she had to go back to work. So I'm going to ask you, Nancy, did your eating disorder have anything to do with um, hereditary in regards to your family? I was I was on mute. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was yeah, my, 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 my eating disorder my my eating disorder came as a result of um, losing so much in my life, and I was trying to fill the hole and the void that was there. <laughs> um, my mom was always sitting at the table eating or she's in in the front room eating or she's in the car eating or she's um, in her room eating or whatever. And um, my grandma was always um, on her about it, but both of them were really heavy. Um, my grandma was four or nine and she was um, 250 pounds. So that, that made it look like she was 600 pounds. Wow. My mom was 5'2", and she was 
um, diagnosed with cancer, and she passed away in um, 1999. My grandma passed away on my birthday in 99, so it's really hard around that time to um, deal with, you know, the grief process. And I didn't start eating a lot until after I had lost my children and um, doing the drugs that I was on. And, um, you know, that I got run over and I was at 600 pounds before I got run over. And if I wasn't that heavy, the doctor said that if I wasn't that heavy, I would have been dead. Wow. You know, it's interesting because even with my mom, and I'm just thinking, my mom was very thin. She would go back and forth. My mom was, my mother was ever as heavy as I am today, and but she was taller than I am. So... But my mother always took us to buffets. We never really, we would, we would eat out a lot. We really would go to a lot of expensive restaurants or we would eat out. And I kind of picked up that bad habit of always, and I guess that's why I like going to buffets. Now, I want to share some information because when we're talking about anorexia nervosa, and it's likely the most well-known eating disorder, it generally, like I said, develops in adolescents and tends to be more with women than men. But Individuals view themselves as overweight, and even if it's if it's dangerously underweight, they tend to constantly monitor their weight, avoiding eating certain types of foods, and severely restrict their calories. Common symptoms of anorexia nervosa include being considerably underweight compared to people of the similar age and height, very restricted eating patterns, an intense fear of gaining weight or persistent behavior to avoid gaining weight despite being underweight, and a relentless pursuit of thinness and unwillingness to maintain a healthy weight. Now, when we start talking about this, this can also have a heavy influence on the body weight or perceived body shape on self-esteem, and we talked about the distorted body image. Now, when we talk about the obsessive-compulsive symptoms, they're also very present. Many individuals with anorexia are often preoccupied with constant thoughts about food, and some may obsessively collect recipes or hoard food. That's another one of my issues. I'm a hoarder when it comes to food. My daughters used to tell me when they were young I didn't realize it, but I would go buy a bunch of cereal, and then my favorite cereal I would hide in my room. But I would never forget <laughs> But I hoard it, and I hide it, and then I find it later, and I forgot all about it. You know, another thing when we start talking about that, and I know we're running out of time because we've got like 29 minutes left on the show, but if you want to call in and you want to join us as we're talking about this topic, give us a call at 516-387-1914 because I would love to hear your thoughts. Now, we talked a little bit about bulimia nervosa, and that is another well-known, and like we talk about binging and purging, which is another thing. I want to share that it doesn't always mean just forcing vomiting. Fasting is another one, and I'm going to get back to the fasting. Laxatives, using diuretics, enemas, and excessive exercise. Lord, the first time I had to fast, I thought I was going to die. I was calling the church mother. I was like, Mother, I can't do it. I'm hungry. I'm going to starve to death. They're trying to kill me. You know, but when we start talking about fasting, do you think that that can be, what is your take on that? Because I don't know if you fast often, but what is your take on that? Because where does it become unhealthy? 
recently I have um, become more into fasting than ever in my life because of the church that I'm involved with. So now when I fast, I do it for um, spiritual reasons, you know, to get a stronger connection with God, to sacrifice uh, my desires of the flesh, and to focus more on what God would have me do. But see, I grew up um, with regular fasting. Being raised Muslim, we participated in Ramadan every year. Well, we didn't eat from the time the sun came up to the time the sun went down. That was no food or water all day. And so I, it was like, it was more, fasting has always been more of a disciplinary action to me. I would never use it um to try and lose weight because, like I said, when I deny myself some food and I get a hold of it, I'm going to go at it like there's never going to be, like all the super supermarkets are closed down and they're coming to get all the food. So I'm going to go at it like i got to eat it before they get here. And I already know that about me. So, But I believe that fasting, if it's, you, if, if it's done properly, fasting is a good way to discipline yourself. And if someone is having a problem with eating issues, it would be a good way to find out how bad you are if you could go if you could go just twelve hours without eating then you know maybe it's just a habit that can be corrected in or eliminated mm. Nancy, what do you want to say about that fasting fasting i I do fasting because um it helps it helps with my pressure my blood pressure because my blood pressure has been either way too high. Are um, it's it's dangerously low, and when it starts to get low, that's when I eat. But on the most part, my blood pressure has been three hundred over two hundred. So I try to to maintain my eating habits for um, health reasons, not because uh-huh. I want to. Uh-huh. Um. The, another reason it it strengthens me spiritually so that I'll be able to stand and withstand whatever's coming at me because there's times that I can I can foresee what's going to happen like right now all these riots are going on I knew uh-huh. that was going to happen I did, I don't know how to explain it but I'm gifted uh-huh. you know and that's a whole other issue we're going to be talking about that tomorrow on the show as we're going to be talking about um, community responsibility, because we all bear responsibility in that. Even though we also bear responsibility when we're talking about eating disorders and our own eating habits. So that's going to be a whole other topic. Now I want to share something, because as we're talking about binging and purging, now the binging, and especially with the coronavirus, and individuals being quarantined. A lot of individuals became binge eaters just basically during the quarantine, and people that binge eat, or do not restrict calories and use the perjuring behaviors to become a problem. But symptoms of binge eating disorders include eating large amount of foods rapidly in secret and until uncomfortably full, despite not feeling hungry. Feelings of lack of control during episodes of binge eating, feeling distressed such as shame, guilt, or disgust when thinking about binge eating behaviors, and do not use purging behaviors such as calorie restriction, vomiting, excessive exercise, or laxative. Now, when I say the binge eating in regards with the coronavirus and being quarantined, a lot of individuals were bored and they had nothing else to do, so all they did was eat. They called it the corona weight. 
you know, and now you've got individuals trying to, you know, find ways of losing the weight, trying to fall, trying to exercise, trying to do other things. But we do have individuals that still binge. And I want to say, Michelle, you seem like you fall under a binger. You want to share anything in regards to that? What does that, what, what does that mean again? Binging. You do things in excess. Just feeling distressed. You start feeling get bad and shameful and guilt after you've done something in excess. Yes. Now, I think people, how to put mm-hmm. people with eating disorders often have overweight or obesity. Oh. They may increase their risk of medical complications linked to excess weight, such as heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes. It, and individuals with binge eating disorders equally, I mean, regularly and uncontrollably consume large amounts of foods in short periods of time. And unlike people with other eating disorders, they do not purge. You know, because sometimes people try to be like, oh, how dare you throw up? How dare you? But then we got some individuals that binge and they, pour, they purge. Now, another eating disorder is what's called pica. And pica is another eating disorder that involves eating things that are not considered food. Now, some individuals will say, why don't people do that? you got people eating, um, they eat paper. Um, some people used to chew on straws. Some people eat dirt chalk. But that is considered an eating disorder. And with these really, yes, substance, such as I, another one is ice I chew my straws. I chew my straws all the time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a form of an eating disorder, such as ice. I know people that used to chew on ice all the time. Dirt, soil, and ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, paper. You want to hear something funny? You, wait, wait, when me, you mentioned me, that, let me you mentioned that me, when I was. Let me finish with, the list, Sia, then I'll let you share. Oh, okay. Not only eating the soap, paper, their hair, cloth, wool, pebbles, laundry detergent, or cornstarch. And it also occurs in adults as well as children and adolescents. Now, what were you going to say, Thea? And sometimes people that are pregnant or women. Well, you, you talked about that. I think you, you called it mica. It's so funny. When I was little, okay, now I told you I was real thin. My my mom was kind of chunky. My brother was had a pot belly. People used to tell my mom all the time, Mary, you need to feed that child. What you do, put her in the closet when you and the boy eat? And um, But when we used to take the bus... My brother used to get his transfer, even if we wasn't um, transferring to another bus, my brother would get his transfer for me, and I would get a transfer because I loved to eat paper. Paper was paper and sand were my favorite things to eat when I was growing up. We used to go to the beach, and I'd be sitting in the sand just handful, and I mean not just a little bit, just handful after handful after handful, and we'd be on the back of the bus. We'd go all the way to the back of the bus, and my brother would tell me, here, sis, I got your transfer, and I'll sit there chewing on the transfer. My mom would catch me, of course, smack me across the face. What, you think you a goat? No, they just tasted really good, but I grew out of it. Yeah. So another one is rumination disorder. Rumination disorder is a newly recognized eating disorder, and it describes a condition in which a person regenerates food they have previously chewed and swallowed. They re-chew it and then will re-swallow or spit it out. Kids used to do that too, where they would chew on food, spit it out, chew on it, don't swallow it. Now, this rumination typically occurs within the first 30 minutes after a meal. Unlike medical conditions like reflux, it's voluntary. This disorder can develop during infancy, childhood, or adulthood, 
and an infant, it tends to develop between 3 to 12 months of age and often disappears on its own. Children and adults with the condition usually require therapy to resolve it. And it's interesting because we talk about a rumination disorder and chewing it up, spitting it out. A lot of people never really saw it as a disorder, but think of being a kid and your parents say you chew your food. You better swallow your food. Any of you ladies ever had that issue? My mom did that a lot with me. And see, that was when I started to, um, they actually used to, I used to chew my food. I used to chew my food until it was like liquid in my mouth. And that's why I think I was so real thin, you know, there was no buildup in my stomach. But um, my mom used to tell me, you need to hurry up and eat. You need to hurry up and eat. I just, I would just take one bite, chew two times and swallow it because I didn't like getting left at home. Yeah, that's another people. Some people are taught to eat fast. Even individuals that are in the military eat fast. Um, Linda was saying something about her and myself as, you know, we are on the go a lot, and as we are on the go, we eat in our cars, and you know, and and that's another bad habit people can develop. Another one is I don't know if people's calls are dropping. Look like the calls have just dropped. So hopefully you guys can still hear me. Is Avoidant and restrictive food intake disorder. Now, with avoidant and restrictive food intake disorder, this is a name for and is an old disorder, and the term replaces what was known as feeding disorders of infancy and early childhood, a diagnosis previously reserved for children under age 7. But they notice that this is coming back because what happens is the avoidance the avoidance or restriction of food intake that prevents the person from eating sufficient calories or nutrition, eating habits that interfere with normal social functioning, such as eating with others, weight loss or poor development for age and height, nutrition deficiencies, and it's also important to know that with this disorder, it goes beyond normal behaviors, such as we call it picky eating, for those of you that are out there listening that they say in toddlers, or lower food intake in older adults. Now, Thea, we talked about that recently, especially with Ryder being a picky eater, and you would say, I don't know why he does that with you guys, but he eats all of his food with us. Or we're talking about seniors, how seniors get real picky with their food. A lot of individuals didn't even realize that was considered a eating disorder. Any comments, ladies? Yeah, I kind of think... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it's all right. Go ahead. I kind of think that with avoidance um, with children, you you mentioned under age seven. See, I was a weird child. I ate the things. You know how sometimes you have a family pet and, and kids decide the food they don't want to the dog under the table. My brother used to decide the food he didn't <laughs> want over to me. I loved vegetables. I mean, you give me something green and it was gone. But mm-hmm. like like you mentioned, Ryder, um, I think it's a matter of the pressure we put on children because with me, he eats fine, I, or, or then it or it could be the rewards. You know, he know we got those little frozen ice cream sticks in there. But it's like I don't put no pressure on him. I, I'd be like, okay, you ready to eat? You hungry? Or but I'd be like, I'm, I'm okay. Well, I'm gonna fix me something to eat, and I just make it look and sound so good. He just wants some too, like he did that one night with the burrito. He tore it up, uh-huh. and the next day he took one bite, and he was like, I don't like that. But he seen somebody else eating it, and JC was really enjoying it. So now he won one, and he did. But it was gone as soon as it cooled off. I think it's it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. It can be. It can be, and then he pissed me off. 
because the next day he came to my <laughs> office, you dropped him off, and the first thing he said was, Granny, I'm so hungry. I said, see you next week. share my lunch. Mm-hmm. He was like, Sharing is caring. I said, well, maybe I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to eat my food. Oh, I was mad. And, but then we got down to me, because you know how I am with leftovers. And then I remember that, mm-hmm. like, what did I tell you? I do it every time with them steaks. I hid them steaks. I just barbecued them last Wednesday, what, Monday, and I had one steak left. I said, ooh, let me eat this steak before it become a week. And me knowing that steak was old made my stomach hurt last night. Now, some common symptoms also when we talk about not only just symptoms, but I want to share with you some other eating disorders because in addition to the six eating disorders that I mentioned before, they have less known or less common eating disorders that also exist. And these are generally, and they fall under three categories. We talked about the purging, which individuals with purging disorders, we talked about that they use things such as vomiting, laxative diuretics, or excessive exercising to control their weight or shape. However, they don't binge. We have night eating syndrome. Individuals with this syndrome frequently eat excessively, often after awakening from a sleep. We also have other specific feeding or eating disorders, which is called OFFED, while not found in the DSM now, five. This includes any other conditions that have symptoms similar to those of an eating disorder, but don't fit into those categories. But the bottom line is we have to know with all of these different categories, when do we need to go get some help? See, I'm going to ask you that question. When do you think it's time to get some help? Well, I'm going to use bulimia um, in particular because, like I said, I had picked up on that, and um, it lasted for uh, quite a few years. I picked up on it in 96 because I was working at the store called 17 in the mall. And I was around a bunch of young girls, and they that's all they did. And I thought, okay, because I still had my prison weight, it would be a good way to lose weight. So at first I was forcing the um, the regurgitation. I, my throat would stay so sore I couldn't hardly smoke a cigarette because my fingernails scratching my throat. After a while, it became a natural reflex. My mom was worried about me. I mean, I used to have to, it lasted for years. I used to have to go to sleep after I ate to be able to keep my food down because my stomach had this gag reflex that was initiated by eating. And I knew, and I couldn't stop it. I was getting so skinny. My mom thought I was using, you know, she wanted to keep my kids away from me and stuff like that. And I couldn't tell her, mom, I, I started throwing up after I eat and I can't stop it. I never sought help. I fought it myself. I just she would have to go to sleep right after I ate. My mom was like, maybe you have diabetes. I couldn't tell her, no, I have to go to sleep to keep my food down because I, uh-huh. I couldn't go to a doctor. I was too ashamed to admit that I had started something these little teenage girls were doing, and I'm trying to lose weight, and now I couldn't stop it. Got you. And it does become a habit. It, it does. And that's the problem is when individuals get to that point, and a lot of times family members become concerned the person with the eating disorder don't want to be deemed as the identified patient. Now, eating disorders can harm the heart, the digestive system, bones, teeth, and mouth, and can lead yeah. to other diseases. Eating disorders are often developed, we talked about in teens and young adults, although they can develop in other ages, but with treatment, you can return to healthier eating habits and sometimes reverse serious complications caused by the eating disorder. 
Now, we talked about some of the different anorexia nervosa, bulimia, binge eating disorders. We talked about rumination. We talked about a lot of those different things. And I asked the question, basically, when you go seek treatment. Now, I'm getting this information what's called the mayoclinic.org, and it says, unfortunately, many individuals with eating disorders may not think they need treatment because most of the times they don't. If you're worried about a loved one, urge him or her to talk to a doctor, even if your loved one isn't ready to acknowledge having an issue with food. You can open the door by expressing a concern, a desire, and listen. You've got to listen to them. But be alert for eating patterns and beliefs that may signal unhealthy behavior as well as peer pressures because, Thea, that's what it sounded like you were dealing with, peer pressures. But these are some mm-hmm. red flags I want us to know. Skipping meals or making excuses for not eating, adopting an overly restrictive vegetarian diet, excessive focus on eating, healthy eating, making all meals rather than eating with the family, Withdrawing from normal social activities, consistent worry or complaining about being fat and talk about losing weight, frequently checking the mirror for perceived flaws, repeatedly eating large amounts of sweet or high-fat foods, use of dietary supplements, laxative, or herbal products for weight loss, excessive exercises, if there's calluses on the knuckles from inducing vomiting, Problems mm. with loss of tooth enamel, that may be a sign of repeated vomiting. Leaving during meals to use toilet is another one. Eating yep. more food in a meal or snack that's considered to be normal. Expressing depression, disgust, shame, or guilt about eating habits and eating in secret. Those are some red flags. We talked about some of the causes being genetics and biology. There's also psychological and emotional health that's also involved because when you talked about the, being a perfectionist, impulsive behavior, and troubled relationships, that's another one. Now, when we go into some of the things of the risk factors and talking about people who are at risk, meaning if there's a family history, individuals can be at risk. Other mental health disorders, meaning Individuals with eating disorders often have a history of anxiety, depression, excessive compulsive disorders. I don't want to say drug use because drug use can kind of go hand in hand because I know that individuals that um, use methamphetamine normally don't have a big appetite. They lose a lot of weight. Some individuals that smoke crack normally don't eat. But then we see some people that were overweight. I don't know if Michelle is on the line, but we know that's true too. But um, dieting and starvation is another risk factor, stress. Whether it's heading off to college, moving, landing a new job, or family or relationship issues, change can bring stress, which may increase your risk of eating disorders. And that's why this was so important that we talked about this today, especially what's going on with the riots, what's going on with the coronavirus, Individuals not working, being at home, being bored, kids being away from school. You know, they have um, certain organizations that have been given and donating food. We got Mill and Wills for seniors. But the thing is, you got to be careful of how your eating habits can develop into other mental health issues. 
And I want to share this, and then I'm going to let the listeners log in. I mean, join in. But with the complications, eating disorders causes a wide variety of complications, some of them life-threatening. And the more severe or long-lasting of the eating order, the likely the complications are serious health problems, depressions and anxiety, suicidal thoughts and behaviors, problems with growth and development, social and relational problems, substance use disorders, work and school issues, and death. Ladies, anything you guys want to share? Yeah, that's... Are you talking about, like, um, for about addicts and, and having a problem with it, like... Do I follow it? Well, I'm clean now. Well, because a lot of people that are addicts don't eat. A lot of individuals who are engaging in their methods, the last thinking about is food. And sometimes if you don't eat, how are you going to feed your kids? You know, some people that drink don't eat. But some people know that they got to feed that alcohol. So what happens is when you don't eat, your body, your stomach shrinks, your cortisol level increases, your stress level increases, things start happening to the body that individuals are not even aware of, and then it gets out of control. So when you haven't had anything to eat for so long, when you do eat, you get sick. And that is correct. I used to be like that so many times I wouldn't eat for forever. But I've trained myself that... At least when I was like eighteen, well, sometimes I I I, I wouldn't eat a lot of times, but I tried. I would try to like like eat, and then obviously do drugs, and then I eat again so that my body still will be hungry. Mm-hmm. And but but sometimes it wouldn't work because there there are so many times that I went without, you know, and, yeah. And you've got individuals that, like I said, um, that have lost their job, um, food stamps. They were, at one point they were talking about decreasing food stamps. The price of food is expensive. Even buying takeout is more expensive. Yeah. notice when I, I got mad because, I went to go buy two bacon and egg breakfast sandwiches one day and spent sixteen dollars. <laughs> I said the devil is liar if I'ma spend eight dollars for a sandwich and I can go buy a loaf of bread and some bacon and eggs and cheese and mayonnaise for less than that. You know, so that stuff started adding up. But we do have individuals that are starving in other countries. I wanna say that I was doing my research, and it indicated that June the 2nd, which is tomorrow, is World Eating Disorder Action Day. So that is a day wow. that they have set forth to, for prevention to educate individuals as it relates to eating disorders. I also have some information in regards to the National Eating Disorder Association. They have a helpline number, which is 1-800-931-2237. And if individuals are struggling and they find that they're having issues with eating disorder, there are help out there. Now, I was supposed to have a lady on the air today, and her name was Heather um, Russo, but we had difficulties um, communicating. But she works at Asana, which is a facility 
that treat eating disorders, and the treatment for eating disorder can vary. But I first want to go into prevention, and then I'll go into treatment. But with prevention, although there's no sure way to prevent eating disorders, here's some strategies to help your children, especially children, develop healthy eating behaviors. Avoid dieting around your child. If you're always talking about you want to diet, so kids don't think that's normal behavior. Talk to right. your child and your teen. Cultivate and reinforce a healthy body image. In your child, whatever his or her size or shape, talk to them about self-image and offer reassurance about body shapes and that they can vary. Avoid criticizing your own body in front of your child. Message of acceptance and respect can help build healthy self-esteem and resilience that will carry children through the rocky period of teen years. As much as some of my friends have been on me and I thought that they were just trying to criticize me, they were like, no, Jeanette, we thought you really gave up on yourself because you didn't always look like that. At first it started to piss me off, and then it made me want to eat more. But it wasn't that I was going to be eating for them. I would just eat because I want to eat. I wasn't going to let them try to tell me what to do. But then I realized, you know, Jeanette, this getting a little bit out of control. You, you, you don't look like you used to. So I had to question myself, but developing a healthy eating habit is hard for me. Now, I want to see, and I know we're kind of running out of time, but I also want to share some information just to let people know. I'm looking at something that's called Simply Healthy Dot Today. They talk about some of the other common 14 causes of eating disorders. Family history of addiction, because sometimes it can be about power and control. Not only when we talk about if there's a family history of addiction, family histories of eating disorder. If eating disorder runs in your family, you may be more prone to it. Another thing they talk about is emotional disorders. Many individuals have emotional disorders and don't realize it. And that can also lead to eating, which may have been my issue when I was a teenager because I was always so angry. Um, Abuse. Abuse meaning people who have been abused are likely to develop eating disorders of some sort. They also indicate that. Um, When we talk about some of the other things, family history of obesity can be a problem, meaning they don't want to look like other people in their family. So they can develop an eating disorder. Cultural influences is another one. And in right. some cultures, they want people to be thin and things we know have changed. Brain abnormalities, meaning some people who have eating disorders also have been diagnosed with brain abnormalities. And these abnormalities can range from minor to serious and can have an impact on the types of food people want and the foods they choose to eat. And that is interesting. I wish I had a little bit more time to share about that. Hormonal abnormalities is another thing. Some things we have no control over because it can happen with our hormones, especially when we older women go into menopause. Social economics is another thing that can um, be a cause. We talked about eating items that are non-food related, which is something else. And those are just some of the things to name a few. But like I said, treatment can be outpatient. Treatment can be speaking with a therapist one-on-one. Speaking can also, I mean, treatment can also result in going into a residential treatment facility, especially if it's to save your health. 
We have Overeaters Anonymous. They have AA meetings, support group meetings. Anything else you want to share as it relates to some of the different treatment modalities that are used to treat no, I don't really know much about the treatments used for um, eating disorders. Okay. And like I said, because you can connect with a good therapist, you can also, like I said, get an assessment, get an evaluation, also get a physical. Talk to your doctor and share your concerns with your doctor, and your doctor should be able to give you a referral to the appropriate help Call 211. If it's a crisis, call a crisis hotline. Don't call no hotline talking about I want some McDonald's or, you know, we need to take it more serious. And like I said, Mm -hmm. we have to also monitor our children and watch them and be careful with the words that we use because words are powerful. So when we start telling children that they're fat, that they're ugly, that they're too big or you don't look good in that, a lot of times in marriages and relationships when individuals are putting people down, a lot of that stuff people take seriously. And we have to be very, very careful with that because we don't realize that we are destroying people's minds and it's giving them to start having them to start believing that that is how they look. So, again, I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about community responsibility because in regards to what's going on in our world today, we all bear a responsibility. Again, thank you for joining me. Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. Tomorrow, remember, you got this. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeanette, speaking, may help you.